And welcome to episode 57 of the Worldwide Shelves pod. Um, quite a nice episode today, very positive hopefully, and then a little bit of negativity at the end. But I'm joined by two wonderful guests. First of all, co-host Marv, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How are you? I was I was doing very well this weekend until the news that's come out in the last two hours or so, which has kind of damned my mood about the whole entirety of football. But how are you doing, apart from uh, that? Yeah, well, no, I haven't really kind of paid too much attention to that Super League thing. Um, so I'm actually, yeah, still unbelievably happy we have made the finale. So just got to get it over the line now. Yes, uh, perfect. And welcoming back a uh, regular guest who hasn't been on for a while, uh, had his troubles work and we've been trying to get him on for ages. He actually hasn't been on since episode 42 in late November. Welcome back, Corey. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, man. I appreciate the little intro I got there. I'm doing good. How about you? As I said, I'm, do- I'm doing great, and it's it's pleasure to have you back on. I've been trying to get you on for ages, and finally I've been able to get you on. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously the day-to-day work that you have to do as uh, as an adult kind of gets in the way of, of doing the things that I like to do, especially talking to one of my two best friends and then obviously following the club that I love the most. So it's kind of, you know, gets in the way a little bit, but I do my best to uh, at least talk to you guys and then if anything, try to watch Chelsea as much as possible. Yeah, well, I mean, it's happy. we're so happy to have you back on and hopefully as we get towards the summer, we'll be able to have you on a lot more. Um, obviously, since you've uh, not been on, a lot has changed at Chelsea um, in the last few months. Obviously, you were here last time you was on. Frank Lampard was doing perfect. We were going through that 15, 16 unbeaten run. And then suddenly it all fell apart into December, into January. Lampard got sacked, and now Thomas Tuchel's the manager. Corey, what's your overall thoughts on Chelsea and Tuchel? Um, I want to try to make this quick because I, I I know we want to talk, definitely talk about the game yesterday. So, um, my opinions. I think I tweeted yesterday um, something small, and it was just saying I know that we all appreciate especially Chelsea fans, we all appreciate Lampard. We, I mean, we did our best to separate the player from the manager, and I know that's impossible to do with someone who's Mr. Chelsea. You know, he's one of the best players we've ever had at the club. And to try to separate that from him being a manager, like you said, he had that unbeaten run. Everything was looking freaking peachy clean. You could have expected anything better, from, especially after the second year and all the signings that we had we had brought in. But... He came into a rough patch, and it seemed like it seemed like it was one of those things that he couldn't get himself out of. Whether um, it was him and the coaching staff, or maybe he lost the locker room, we don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe years from now, when there's a book that comes out, or an autobiography, or, or something that comes out, maybe we'll find out. But it seems like somewhere there was an issue that he lost some of the players in the, in the in the locker room. And when that happens, bad things rear their heads, and it's not what you want. And it's unfortunate that this happened to such a player and to such a guy that we all love and we supported from when we were little kids. Um, but we move 
from him to someone I think everybody on uh, football Twitter and some Chelsea fans were very, very skeptical of me being one with Thomas Tuchel. We did not know what we were going to get. Um, but, I mean, the guy has completely turned it around. And I don't know how he's done it. I, don't, I mean, I know that he's done the Conte thing and, and that worked, you know, prior years. And he brought us back to success after the the, the second firing of Jose. Um, but he's turned it around and we're freaking in the semifinals of the Champions League and we're in the finals of the FA Cup. Who would have predicted this? Nobody. Well, all I'm going to say is back in October, I said we'd get to the semifinals of the Champions League. So when everyone was doubting me back then, I'd just like to say thank you for... Uh, I'd like to apology to say how right I was about this club and how well we were going to run. Obviously, I was hoping at the time that we'd have Lampard in charge and not Thomas Tuchel, but oh well, swings and roundabouts. We've we've got there in the end, and that's all that matters. Um, so speaking about obviously recent games, um, Manchester City, best team in the world apparently. Every everyone's been talking about oh they're going to get win the quadruple this quadruple that. I think Sky Sport, uh, sorry, BBC, they said it about 10 times before the match started. Just kept talking about the quadruple, how Man City are going to do it, they're going to do it. Chelsea got no hope. And then Chelsea, I would say they edged it. I'd say they absolutely dominated City, taught them a lesson about how to play football and have gone through to the FA Cup final. Corey, what did you think of that result yesterday? I mean... Uh, brilliant. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't, we were all, I, I don't think there was a Chelsea fan around who wasn't nervous for this game. Um, and I don't want to talk too much cause obviously I want to let Marvin cause I like to hear his opinions on things, but, um, while I'm on, I haven't done this yet, but I have to apologize to Mark cause I haven't apologized to him in our group chat that, um, if he's listening, I apologize for the slander I gave Rudiger in back then, because clearly now he's, Turned it around. He's turned into an absolute leader at the back. I, 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 I just want to say that I was wrong, completely wrong. Marv, do you want to say anything go. back for that? Well, um, I'm very happy to be right about uh, Rudiger because he should have been. <laughs> I, I remember people saying he should have been sold, and that was annoying yep. for me. People were saying he wasn't better than Zuma. Definitely was never true. Um, and he was always a good player. I think, like, the fact... I mean, there was alarm bells rung for me when Lampard chose to sell Luis and use Tamori. Whilst a lot of fans thought that was something great because more youth were playing, I was concerned we were kind of going away from quite a decent partnership, and we didn't actually replace. And in the end, we conceded a hell of a lot of goals. So, And even in this season, when uh, Rudiger played with Lampard, we conceded those goals in the Leicester game, and that was essentially it. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to see him back in the team. I knew I would be right on that one. So that's sometimes you just know with some things that you're going to be there. But no, oh yeah, very, very happy that it's all working out. But yeah, as you were saying, Corey, about the city result, how, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I was. Um, I was happy at the end uh, result. I think um, obviously the last you know twenty, twenty five minutes. Obviously, you know that they were going to push hard. Um, you know, I think the the switch. I think what helped them obviously is the um, Kevin De Bruyne going out and then bringing in someone like Phil Foden, who just helps find he helps those little spaces and he can find them. He's going to be one hell of a player um, once he gets fully going. I mean, I know he's played a lot this year, but I think once he gets going, he'll he'll develop into a player. Um, 
But I think for us, I think getting that goal obviously helps you a lot. It always does getting in a cagey game like this, especially in a semifinals of the FA Cup, a, a cup that we want to win. I mean, I know that people like give hate on the FA Cup a lot, and it's one of those tin pot trophies that some people think, but it's it's a it's a prestigious cup, and you want to win it because it means a lot to clubs, and especially it means a lot to you know, the club in England and stuff like that. It's And it's an important trophy. You know, obviously the Prem and the CL are obviously important, but this is an important trophy. And it's good to see the players actually care and want to win it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what possessed these guys to go out there and give it their all. Because we, we've seen them, you know, drop performances. And it's the same players that have been here for a couple of years now. We've seen them drop their heads, at, you know, nil-nil games. And we give up one of those, like, crappy goals. It's just, like sits in the box and someone finds it and scores it in the net. And and now it seems like this this year we've gotten the players to have that mentality. I think Silva's helped out a lot with that. And Brudiger and those guys who are more vocal and no offense to Aspilicueta, but you know those like Silva and, and the Rudigers, they're more vocal. They're vocal leaders rather than Aspie being like a probably more like a quiet locker room leader. So I think um their presence on the on the pitch helps them. Helps them a lot. And then having players like Mount and, and stuff like that, you know, push you push the team to to go forward and go further and push yourself that you've never been pushed before because you know i said on twitter yesterday that i don't care what about timos not scoring goals but what he does on the pitch other than that like doing like that tiny dirty work you know tracking back kind of like what william used to do and then also being able to not only want to score the goal but push forward and helping out his teammates whether it's an assist or creating a play i mean he's He's he was crucial yesterday, and no one can tell me otherwise that he he wasn't he wasn't crucial because he was offside on that first goal that was it was ruled offside. Obviously, that is same run, almost the same thing happened for the 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 goal. He's running on the left hand side, cuts it in, puts it across on his left foot, right to Ziyech, goes into the net. Identical things, and we saw the same thing at the uh, Atletico, Atletico game. I think that we're seeing somewhat of a partnership between those two, and they have some chemistry. So. I think that works in Chelsea's favor. Sorry to ramble a little bit. No worries. We we love we love to hear exactly what you say because you you speak so much sense. So it's nice to hear it. Um, Marv, what did you think of the result? Uh, amazing. Uh, Leicester just scored, unfortunately. Uh, Bertrand is shit. Going to put that out there again. Um, yeah, no, I was uh, delighted. We we definitely dominated the game. Uh, by far the better team. Lots of great performances uh, from all of the players that played. In particular, yeah, we did win the game because of Werner. Like, in behind so many times, Ziyech decisive, which he's been in quite a few of these big games. And those kind of players, you know, that get, you know, we're looking at the stat sheet, not at the, the, the what actually happens. And that's the problem because those guys seem to deliver with big moments. It doesn't have to be a goal. There has to be actions in the game. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, every time in behind, that was the threat that we had. Good comparison with William because he was also massively underrated at the club because he didn't get enough goals and assists, but still the, the kind of work that he did actually helped us to win a lot of games, just like this one. And I don't think we really ever looked like losing this, which is amazing considering, you know, centre-backs, as you say, were really good. Uh, again, Jorginho, fantastic. And a bit of Mount, great. You know, lots of everyone on that pitch. And then we brought on, in my opinion, our best player last season towards the end, Pulisic, and he, he kind of sealed it. Unfortunately, it was uh, offside. But, you know, that we're a much better team now than we were last season. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just a result that before the game, I think my um, prediction was a nil-nil result. We'd out, we'd kind of both teams would cancel each other out, 
all the way through and then we'd win on penalties. But that was for me going my heart and not going my head. But to get the result, not just the result as in 1-0, but the way we did it, because in reality, we obviously the goals were offside and they didn't count, but we scored three goals against Manchester City and then Manchester City barely tested Kepa. That that was the reality of it. We didn't just beat Manchester City. We dominated them like I'd argue no other team has actually done in the league at the moment before. Um, Marv, what was your? How, what did you think of the tactical approach Tuchel went with? Absolutely fantastic. It looked like he was trying to press them and play them at their own game, essentially, which was very bold, considering a lot of teams try to out you know, good teams, they try to outplay and it just doesn't work like that way. So I'm really, uh, really, really happy with that. And I think, um, you know, we, we actually, in my opinion, we actually had control of it. For 90% of the game, we had control of it. And, uh, you know, that's just great. Wingbacks were up high as well. If you remember, like, Reese and, and Chilwell were really high up, kind of making Sterling up in a trap. But reminds me of that time <clears throat> where Russia beat Holland in the Euros all those years ago. Holland were winning all these games, blowing teams away. Goose hitting sets up the team and Russia beat them, what was it, like 3-1 or something like that because they did that similar sort of thing. Pushed them all the way back, pressed high and kind of beat them at the game that, that, that they play. And, it, and we actually, you know, if you look at what happened in the game, apart from a few uh, real minor offsides, we scored three in this match, which is crazy considering we're up against this this apparent incredible team. Yeah, I mean, just to put a stat out there, the last time Manchester City went through a whole game without without scoring a goal was back in late November when um, they drew 0-0 with Porto. So to have that, to do it in such an easy manner as we did, I think it was absolutely brilliant. Um, Corey, what did you think of the tactical approach? Yeah, I actually uh, agree with Marv. I think I'm going to allude to him again. I think he went with the Conte approach. I know that, like, I remember Conte's first year, Pep struggled. I mean, he struggled to beat, you know, the three at the back with the higher wingbacks. And, and like Marv said, pushing uh, Reese and Chilwell up further, having to let their wingers track back. Because, obviously, if you watch a City game, I haven't watched them a lot, but I know that, like, Cancelo, he, he goes forward. Like so much, like he goes forward, and same thing with Mendy. So if we're able to counter, like we were able to, you know, at some parts of the game, we were able. Like Reese was open for that one cross that Chilwell uh, whiffed on. Um, he was in space, like he was in, in an amount of space. Like he had like twenty yards of just no, no one even coming to track him. Not a single person even near him. So I think it worked out. And I remember, I know that I don't know if Marv has ESPN, but we have ESPN here, obviously in the states and. Uh, I was watching the pregame and Taylor Twelman was on. And he said it's gonna be interesting to see what what Tuchel does if he decides to sit back and absorb pressure, which I'm glad that we didn't do until like you know the later part of the game, obviously where we we sat back and we had to we had to do our job, but um, or go out there and press him. And I'm I'm glad that like we went out there and pressed against a city team. I know they had eight changes and that's you know basically half the whole team, but to still go out there and beat this. You know, unbeatable Manchester City side. They're going to win the quadruple and rub it right in their freaking face. It it's it makes the game and the win much sweeter. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just the one thing I really liked is you just as as Marv kind of uh, pointed out, 
City would just end up chasing shadows and chasing the ball near enough the entire match. Mason Mount had Fernandinho just sliding everywhere, here, there and everywhere. I'm surprised Fernandinho didn't get booked for the first two challenges he made on Mason Mount. Um, That's bullshit. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't understand that. I think Reese James got booked like 10 minutes later for like half the challenge that Fer- Fer- Fernandinho did. And I was just like, I didn't understand it. Yeah actually got booked for winning the ball yeah, yeah. winning the ball i remember that yeah. he got booked i was like right he deserves it but not for that but yeah. you had they had the same with um kante Jorginho, absolutely phenomenal midfield making kevin de bruyne didn't do anything um sterling look, made him look so overrated for which he is but you know I'll, I'll get moaned about that on twitter if i keep saying it um but yeah the, I think what Corey pointed on with the uh, the fullbacks, um, normally obviously Zinchenko does play ahead of Mendy normally, but they are so vital to Pep's system. They almost uh, they almost work as inside forward inverted forwards at the uh, at times, and they're the ones. I think Zinchenko is like one of the most influential creators in the Man City team, and you could see good that. Player. Yeah, you could see that. Um, they struggled because they couldn't. They couldn't get Mendy forward. They couldn't get Cancelo forward, and they they run out of ideas pretty quickly. If I'm honest, and I'm surprised of a Pep team that they did because normally Pep teams don't run out of ideas. They eventually find a way, um, and it was quite surprising. Um, as obviously, good a team as they, sorry, I wanted to say, as good as a team they are, is there anyone in when you look at the eleven that play? Because there's some good players, you know, that Sterling and all that. Like, but a lot of those players are not decisive big game players. And uh, like I was watching, it, are there any of their players that really make you think, "Wow, what a great player! What a danger!" Because I didn't. Uh, I'd argue not in not in the starting line. I really do like Bernardo Silva. I think he does for me turn up quite a lot in big games. Um. But again, he was obviously wasn't actually playing. Um, I think Gundogan's really stepped up this season. But yeah, I think yeah. you had. I think the players they kind of put on. You had like Sterling, typical. He always goes away in big games. Um, Ferran Torres, bit young, still kind of adapting to the league. So you could see he struggled a little bit. Jesus, there's a reason they play false night at the moment. It's because <laughs> they haven't got a good striker. Um, <laughs> De Bruyne sums up Belgium. Don't turn up when it needs to, just like Lukaku. But again, yeah. I'm not going to say any more because I'll get moaned out on Twitter for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, even some of the defenders, I thought everyone's been hyping up Diaz. And I didn't think there was much special about him from what I saw to, uh, well, yesterday. Well, he's no Rudiger. He's not, uh, people, <laughs> have been, people have been saying he's been better than Thiago Silva. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I can't see that at all. He is a good player, though. He's a good I mean, player, a good, but yeah. I mean, I, I think I'll, he's I'll young. Still, I'll still make to the point: Thiago Silva is a better player than him right now. Oh, and Thiago Silva is yeah. the best centre back in the league. Full stop. Yeah, full stop. Yeah, full stop. And I think also one of the things that worked out for uh, for Tuchel is I forgot to mention that like Cancelo likes to drift into midfield to give them that little bit of advantage, but obviously they weren't. He wasn't going to be able to because it would leave them vulnerable with Chilwell bombing forward. And then also having Werner with pace, he, he that's what they like to do. They like to like overload the midfield and include like their their wingers or not. They're basically second tier wingers. Their 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 wingbacks or their backs are just 
they're there to help out the midfield and they're there to to cause chaos. And I think that helps. That's what helped Tuchel too is being able to use Chilwell because that's why I probably why Alonso probably didn't start because you know obviously Alonso isn't going to give you pace. I mean, sure he'll score you a freaking wonder goal, but he's he's not the pacier one. And I think that's why Chilwell's been playing much more is because they're it's an added pace. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, just to add on to Chilwell, I think the last few games, I think he he has obviously he had that mid mid uh, season where he just wasn't playing too well under Lampard when they, everyone started struggling. Then he came into Tuchel. It looked like he struggled with the wing-back role a little bit. But I think the last few weeks, credit to him, I think he's really started to take that wing-back role um, himself. And I think he is now starting to become, again, against Alonso, who we'd argue is always, we've always said he's one of the best wing-backs in Europe. He's starting to make Alonso... Um, Look, second choice again. Um, he's yeah, retaking that role. I think. I think he obviously he's got he's got things that he needs to improve on. Like I think he's finishing, um, which obviously Alonso is again probably one of the best finishers as a fullback. But I think yeah, that that needs to improve a little bit. But I thought Chilwell over the last few weeks has done really well. Marv, what do you think about that? Yeah, really amazing because I think he was one of the worst before Lampard got sacked, and I actually was really not happy with his performances. And uh, in the last, yeah, last couple of weeks he's been amazing and actually won his place back. And it's that kind of uh, attitude that we need to see from certain players that don't get games, not complaining and crying and asking for more money and all this other stuff. Like you know, he worked in and now yeah, let's say he's kind of displaced Alonso again and, and made the position his own. Yeah, he missed that pretty great chance at the beginning but it didn't cost us and he was good defensively offensively he's using his speed and quickness in this role quite well i'm quite impressed actually he's done better than i expected so yeah good job from him yeah that there you from marv that's what i love about marv um he'll have his strong opinions and throughout january february he was really going in on Chilwell, and I, i did think it was a little bit harsh but what i love about marv is when when he gets proved wrong or when some a player steps up, he'll come out and say it. Like Christensen, people last summer you would have never have thought Marv would be um, praising Christensen. But Marv, that's, 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 that's what I, that's what I love about you, Marv. You, you, you're not you're not one of these agenda fueled fans. You you generally just will criticise when they need to and will praise when they need to. I love it about you. Happy to hear it. And uh, it's funny you mention it because if somebody would have told me that. Uh... We'd be in the Champions League semi-final, FA Cup final, largely using Christensen, Jorginho, and some of these other players. I would have been like, "Stop, stop taking a piss and annoying you know? Like, so it's incredible how it's happened. And also, if yeah, like if somebody had told me at the beginning of the season, yeah, don't worry, Thomas Tuchel will be the manager. We'll have Andreas Christensen starting games. We'll have Jorginho back in the team. <laughs> and all, all um, there's got to be a few others in there. Oh yeah, Hudson Adore will be getting a lot more games, and and we do have all this success. I would literally would have bet my house against it, the house that I don't own. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean it's it it's been a as I said in the beginning of the stream, it's been swings and roundabouts. It's been absolutely insane over the last twelve months of Chelsea. But I, I've I've just learned everything can surprise you. Um, and then moving on to the next player we'll speak about, Hakim Ziyech. Um, str- completely struggled half midway through the season. Similarly to Chilwell, a lot of people were saying, oh, Ziyech's going to leave in the summer, he's not happy. But I think yesterday, 
apps was absolutely phenomenal. Corey, what was your opinions on Ziyech yesterday? Oh yeah, he was brilliant. Uh, to follow up what you said, you said phenomenal, but I said I said brilliant. But yeah, I mean he obviously it's he's one of those type of players. I think he he likes to drift more wide and and he likes to dump into into like the uh, the areas where he can kind of have space. I, he I, he needs space. I mean, obviously, it's why he did well in like you know at Ajax. Obviously, the league is completely different. I, and for some players like Timo, Kai, and and Hakim, also unprecedented times. I mean, I don't think anybody would have ever thought you know a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago that we would have had pandemic and multiple lockdowns. You know, multiple countries. It, it, it's not an easy time to 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 go through, and there's a lot of mental struggles that people have been having. Um, so obviously for them it's it, it's unusual, you know. What I mean, I imagine I imagine that those players would have been able to go to restaurants or or clubs and been able to hang out and you know get to know each other a little bit more. And during that time, they probably weren't even able to go to each other's you know apartments or or flats or houses or you know or whatever, you know. So it's it's probably hard for them to adjust, especially younger players like Timo and, and Kai. Kai being the the younger one, it, it it's hard to move to a country. Um, that you that you're unfamiliar with, and then also be thrown into a country playing football for millions and millions of dollars, having that weight on your shoulders, and then also having to do it during fucking COVID. It does not help. You know what I mean? It doesn't make things any easier on those those young guys. So to for them to persevere, it has to be a thing. And the same thing for Ziek. He's persevered through that really rough patch he had, where he was playing like shit, and he wasn't playing at all because he was dropping, you know. Zero ten performances, giving the ball away, not being able to pass. His passing wasn't crisp like it usually is, or we, what we've seen before. And I think we're seeing that now. I think because I think it was one of those things that Lampard didn't have like a specific way to play. I think he just kind of he he was kind of like all over the place. I think he was one of those players. He was one of those coaches who's trying to do too many things at once, whereas just finding one thing, doing it well, and then you know being able to to play around with something else. And I think Tuchel is. What he's doing now with you know the the three at the back or at the five at the back, however you want to say it, obviously making things easier for the defense, but also making things a little bit easier for the attack. Being able to know that you know where Reese is going to be or where where Hudson Adoy is going to be, being able to throw him in there and then gain confidence by playing a little bit more, I think that's done well for him. Same thing for like Pulisic. Pulisic was doing awful, obviously to injuries, and then he grew confidence by playing. You just have to play and get through the confidence that way being able to assist or score. And once you get one of those that goes in the back of the net, it all clicks. So for him, he's doing well, and he played brilliant yesterday. Those wide balls he threw out to Reese when they, he had acres of space. The goal, well, two goals, if you want to obviously say that. Two goals yesterday he would have had. Um, he's he's playing better than I think he could ever have thought he was going to do in this first season. So for me, he was brilliant yesterday. Yeah, I agree. I think it was fantastic from Hakim Ziyech. I loved how he was just going in between the lines, between the midfield and defence, and just carving out them great passes. And um, something you said after in his interview, um, he said, you haven't seen the best of me yet. I've played well today, but you ha- this isn't my best. You will see my best soon. I think that confidence he has, even though he's in a tough stage of his career and a tough stage in his life. I think the way he's Marv, what do you think about that confidence and his um, overall uh, form? Do you think you uh, 
do you think he's going to get back to his best? Uh, who's getting back to the best? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, Hakim Ziyech. Oh, yeah, I thought we were trying to replace it. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, I mean, the signs are incredibly promising considering how well he's been playing in the last couple of games. Uh, you know, it's weird because at the beginning of the season, he was amazing, even in his international assist, 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 goal, 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 all of the games creating. And that's one thing, even when he doesn't play so well, he does have that potential to create. Even in the games where he didn't get a goal and assist, but he came on at the Porto game, played that ball through. There's been a couple of chances we should have 100% scored that he's created. So, yeah, I do think there is a potential for him getting back to, to his best. And I think, like, we definitely shouldn't entertain him leaving. Um, I would much rather be using him uh, kind of in those more central uh, attacking positions than to buy another creator, as we've heard a few of the rumours. I think, like, he's he's done really well so far. And I would definitely he's definitely worth his position in the squad, especially after yesterday, sent us to the final. I mean, what else are we expecting? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think when you can go to a team like City and just play the way you did and to be as phenomenal as you were and say, well, this isn't my best. My best is still yet to come. I'm excited to see what his best is and whether he can bring his best to this Premier League. I think, obviously, some games it's going to be harder for him when he doesn't get the space, but in cert- I think in certain games, and I think Tuchel knows when to play him, I think he's going to be really good for us, and I think this could be the the eventual turn for him to be continually at his best rather than these up and down periods that he's getting at the moment. As long as he, as long as he stays fit, I think it's definitely... I mean, if we're looking like he's been decisive in big games, so it's like, it's not a doubt about the quality, like when you get some players that only score goals against Newcastle, Sheffield United and Barnsley. Um, I mean, this is a guy that scores and plays well in big games, you know, games that actually matter. Yeah, exactly. That's that's something I feel like we miss in the team. So um, to see that, it it's it's happy enough. Uh, it's good, and I want to see it more. I want to see him. Maybe it is a point where he some smaller teams he probably doesn't get in. You get you play different players because I think Tuchel is going to be quite uh, doing a lot of similar to how Pep does. He rotates his forward line a little bit depending on the team that he plays, which I think it is good, and I think it'll be interesting to see especially when we go to a four at the back and there's going to be an extra person in attack, how that how that affects the X game and how it affects the overall attacks game. Um, but moving into more of the uh, defensive part of the team, start off with a little bit of a negative. Thiago Silva um, seemed like from the start of the game, he seemed to be struggling a little bit with his back. Um, and then obviously in the 84th, 85th minute, Went down injured twice with it. Um, looked in quite a lot of pain. Are you guys worried about Thiago Silva and his back injury uh, going into no, the end of the season? No, I think he'll be back. Uh, I mean, he can probably sit out the Brighton game potentially and hopefully be back for the next one. I mean, he's getting older and he can't play all of the games. So, Yeah, Corey, do you agree? Yeah, I don't think there's much to worry about. I mean, it depends on how serious it is. It seemed like just like a muscle issue. I, I, I don't, it does seem like he like he's just getting old. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things. He's just getting old. But no, nah, I think he'll be fine. I think what Marv said is perfect. I think give him rest. He doesn't need to play every game. He's getting older. So give him the rest. I mean, if Christensen's back, perfect. If not, Zuma can hopefully fulfill the role. I know that's not, you know, he's not the perfect player to put in that spot, but I think if you get him in, he can probably deal with some height issues that Brighton has. But other than that, I think I'm not too worried. 
yeah, I mean, fulfilled the role is probably the perfect way to pull it in terms of Kurt Zuma. I think hopefully Christensen is back and he can just fit in for Tiago Silva. Uh, the only lot. worry I do put to it is <laughs> I remember, um, I think it was the Porto, and um, I, we, uh, he, Tiago Silva was also fitting his back at the same time. So I'm hoping it's not one of these longer-term issues that um, starts creeping in, but hopefully he has a little bit of time off. Even if he takes the West, uh, uh, it would be a bit annoying, but if he took the West Ham game off as well and then came back for Champions League games against Real Madrid, I think that uh, I wouldn't mind that too much considering how well our defence is playing generally at the moment, which does bring us on to the rest of the defence. Um, was a bit of a masterclass yesterday, obviously, we talk about City, they've got all these great attackers, Kevin De Bruyne's, the Raheem Sterling's, uh, Ferran Torres, Dio, uh, Jesus, Foden's, etc., etc. And we, we, we gave them absolutely nothing. And it's been something that from the minute Tuchel came into the minute to now, that this defence has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Marv, what do you think of our defensive structure? Do you, do you like how the way we play at the moment? I've always loved this way of play. Um, when Conte came in and changed it to the three, you know, the five, I've always been a fan of it since then. Um, I think it offers so much solidity and it works well if you go forward. And it also, there's, I mean, I remember hearing people, oh, it got found out. No, it didn't get found out. We were using Danny Drinkwater in it. You know, like, it, it's a system that works well. And it, obviously, this is proof it's working well. You don't get found out, you know, teams just, don't play as well or you don't have the right personnel or all this kind of stuff. But right now, we're playing a nice kind of mix of dominating ball at the same time playing, you know, really well defensively. I, I would I would be pretty pro-keeping this formation for next season because seeing how... I mean, how can we possibly complain? I mean, we're in a semi-final, a final. Everything is going according to perfection at this point. So anyone else kind of like complaining, I think need to kind of just realise, take a step back and see where we actually are currently at. And, uh, you know, considering we were almost into obscurity after that Arsenal loss, I was like, wow, uh, you know, I had no no hope, no pride remaining. And uh, we're looking now, and, and it's using players to their strength too. I mean, it's made Christensen look way better, uh, which is good. He's been playing really well. Um, it's, uh, the system and the coach really suit players like Jorginho. We had all written off, a lot of us had, said we wanted him sold, and now he looks like one of the best midfielders in the world. It's so incredible. I mean, we, we were talking about it a couple of about a month back or two months back about players not being good enough. And now we see the team in the semi-final of the Champions League against Real Madrid. Uh, we see the team now in the FA Cup final. We've just beaten the team that everyone says is the best team in the world. There, there is no argument where these players aren't good enough. Yeah, you know, coaching obviously plays a huge role. And right now we've got one of the best. So we have to deliver a trophy this season now. Have to. And once that is done... Look where we can improve the team, but at this point, that formation I think is the way way to go. Yeah, Corey, what do you think of the defensive structure at the moment? Do you like the way we're playing at the moment? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's made uh, not only the team much much more fluid, but it's it's made the players' uh, mindsets at ease because I think playing in this, everybody has their designated role. I mean. It's made Rudiger a lot better. We already touched on Christensen. Aspie looks much better, um, although he's his legs are shot. He's got the Bronislav Ivanovic legs. Um, 
but it's also made people like Reese be able to push forward and use his attacking abilities. And same thing for Chilwell and same thing for Alonzo. I think it, it just helps everybody else out. And it it does create a little bit of a headache because it's like oh, you're hoping that, you know, Kovacic isn't hurt. Where does he slide in? Does he take over Conte's spot or does he take over Jorginho's spot? It's given Tuchel a little bit of a headache. But defensive structure, I mean, I can't really say too much. I mean, we've what, conceded like five to eight goals already since he's been in charge. I mean, I can't complain too much. It's it's clearly worked out. I think uh, I think the fact that it's been used with being able to use someone like a leader, like I said before, a vocal leader like Rudiger and Thiago Silva, and then using quiet leaders like Aspie who they're able to they they communicate much better when they all play together whereas if there's a two center back pairing like Christensen fails uh Rudiger struggles sometimes and Thiago Silva obviously plays much probably much better in a two than he does a three and Aspie as a right back just does not work anymore do you so not think, think it was uh, more about the system uh because I mean under Lampard there was such a massive gap we all saw it gap between the defense and midfield like if and I wasn't a big fan of sorry we go back to the sorry season Rudiger, I don't know if Aspie was, I forget if he was playing right, I'm pretty sure he was though, playing yeah. right back with Rudiger in the centre and Luis in the centre, we were pretty solid defensively there. I mean, we had some games where we got absolutely obliterated, but in general, I mean, they still worked well as two, won the Europa League with them and, you know, yeah. made another final. So I think it might be a system thing. Oh, sorry, I want to continue your point there. I'm just wondering if no. you think it might be a system I, thing. It could. It, it's, it must be obviously a system thing because he's... Rudiger is not this bad, and I I, I can't slate him because honestly he's playing out of his freaking mind. Um, the guy has what, ha, has he even made a mistake since he's been playing regularly? I don't think he has. I can't remember only remember one. Only yeah, the only the own goal. goal. But let's take that out of let's take that out of consideration. There's nothing to to falter on. I think it, it's probably a system thing, but he's played with he played with Louise for a while. I think it's just. Uh, familiarity and then communication is obviously key. And I think for especially defensively, you have to have communication. If you lack in communication, you're going to struggle. And I think that's where maybe it struggled for everyone those years, especially, you know, I think, I think it's just, yeah, it's probably more of a system thing than anything. Cause I don't think it's individual individuality. Like they can't suck this bad cause they've all won trophies. You know what I mean? So what Marv is probably correct is probably is seem as more like a, a system situation than anything. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think just to add my my two cents into it, I think in terms of, I think it depends on the player. I think I feel Rudiger. I think he's again under Sarri, he's proved that he can play in a back two, um, and I think there was some doubts coming into Tuchel whether he could play it. Um, but for me, I think them doubts have completely gone. I think for me, I think. It, it, the the system probably did affect Rudiger. I think when you look at a Christensen, I still, for me, feel a bit worried about him going to a two at the back. Um, I just feel he the type of player that he is, the way he plays, um, I just feel he is suited to back three formations and possibly, again, might I get slagged off for this, less physical leagues. Um, so I think if we did go back to a back four, I think I'd still be a little bit apprehensive about Christensen. And then again, maybe Aspi, just because in this centre-back role, he can still play his nice passes, do the things as a full-back, but without the actual athletic 
ability of a fullback, especially when Rudig is allowed to bomb on more on that left than Aspi on the right. Um, but I think if Aspi moved to a right back position, I don't think he could do it week in, week out. Maybe as a cover in against some of the smaller teams, but I don't think he could do it week in, week out. I think that that again would be Reese James's spot to uh, lose, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with Mar. I think the there is some uh, aspects of it where a system of Lampard did play a part and did um, make it look a bit more um, obscure. I still think now, when we do make the f- mistakes defensively under Tuchel, I think it is when, for some reason or another, the midfield doesn't exactly work. I think um, we saw it at West Brom. Obviously, we were down to 10 men, so that didn't really help in terms of the attacking aspect, but the times when we were making mistakes, yes, there was defenders out of position, but again, I think it was where that midfield capitulated. I think that's when people say, oh, do we want a centre-back? Do we want a defensive midfielder? For me, I'm still looking at that defensive midfielder and going, that's our second priority after a striker. We need, we still need that defensive midfielder, especially with Kante not being able to play week in, week out at the moment. We, we need another man like him in the midfield just to bulk up that situation. And I think that will, therefore, I think uh, at least for now, we could leave the defence as it is. And I think it would, it would just do, it would, it would just be okay. It would would go as it is. I think there's not, uh, there's not many teams that are defensively good nowadays um, with the lack of centre-back. So I think, I think we'd be able to manage it if we got a defence, a good defensive midfielder. And what do you guys think? Well, there is the um, rumour, <clears throat> there are names linked uh, for this position, isn't there? There's Camera and there's uh, Tuchameni, uh, Chum- not sure how to say his name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there are players people have been talking about. I mean, uh, for this to work, however, we need somebody who's good at playing the ball. Um, you know, we see the way that Tuchel set up the team and occasionally Kante doesn't look so calm in that. And uh, So I think it has to be someone who can play the ball as well as defend very well. So it kind of rules out a lot of players that people wanted. I think that whilst I really like Declan Rice, I don't think the, the kind of money quoted is really worth it for the, for him. Um, there are players, I like Kamavinga, I like, uh, I don't know much about Tuchameni, but a lot of people do quite like him. There's Camera, obviously, and maybe a bit of strength that could really add to the team as well. Um, it's going to be a tough one to decide which DM to go for, though. Uh, hopefully the club knows who they want, but that one I don't think is going to be quite so easy as as uh, thinking about who we want for striker, for example. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still I think with Tuchemi, I think yeah he he does he does have that Kamavinga style kind of in terms of he can play the ball out, but he can also just defend if you want him to. Um, and you could especially at his age, you can still mould him into which position you'd like him to play um, for me. I think Frank Kessie's another one that you could um, yeah. pick. I think he's, especially yeah. in the United game, I think he did show Boston. that he can not just play in defence, but he can provide them balls. Um, I think Kamara, for me, the thing I, I, I don't think he's so much good in terms of his passing, but what he can do is he can play in centre-back as well as centre-defence in midfield. So I think it, that could be a situation where the club look to maybe fix two birds with one stone um, in terms of having someone that can play at centre-back if he needs to and can fill in for Kante and defensive midfielder as well. Um, but I think Kamara, again, he's another player young. He can, he would 
if you want him to if you want to develop him in that passing aspect, I think Tuchel could do that. Um, or if Tuchel goes, another manager could do that because you know what like it's like with the revolving doors of Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I think it, we, the club will have to decide who they want. Um, but I think it's there's going to be a lot of options available and a lot of options that are cheaper than Declan Rice. So I think it'll be quite nice to see who we get in the summer. Um, moving on to before we go into other topics, man the match. Um, Marv, if you can pick a man the match, who would you pick? Well, that is a tough question. Um, it has to be. I'm leaning towards two. I'll, I'll have to say Werner because of obviously the the constant. Fr- I was going to say Ziek, but then I remembered he missed that one on one that would have killed the game off. Um, yeah, going to go with Werner because he was always in behind and all, and it, it was his threat that really essentially won us this match, in my opinion. Um, every time in behind, always running there and always giving something for the defence to think about. So they were not able to just sit in our defence and, and try and win the ball back in a few seconds. So I think, yeah, for me, Werner. There is an argument even for Kepra. I know he have to do much, but at the end he made some good saves. He's really solid, catch the ball every time. But yeah, I'm going to go for Werner on that one. Yeah, cool. Who's your man in the match? Yeah, actually, uh, I was thinking... Uh, Werner as well. I was also thinking Kepa too, but I'm, I, I was also um, I was gonna say Ziyech, but I'm I liked uh, I, I if I can give the whole team the man of the match, I would. But I'm I'm gonna also give shouts out to Chilwell and Reese for playing as well as they did too. Is um, I think obviously the whole team played brilliantly, but I think mine would be Werner as well. Yeah, I mean I I am gonna cop out and say that. In my opinion, I don't. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't deserve man of the match. Um, if I am going to give it to someone, obviously Ziek had did score the eventual winner and separated the two teams. So I probably will reluctantly give it to Ziek. But I think the ma- the way the whole team played, I think it was such a good performance. Well, uh, the whole team. I, I just I can't not give it. I can't not give it to the whole team. I think it was just fantastic from all of them. Um, moving to the FA Cup final. Um, obviously, Leicester and Southampton are still playing. Uh, not, not, no, Leicester are going to win. Yeah, Leicester, Leicester gonna look win. like they're going to go through. Um, Marv, do you think? Do you would you like to play Leicester? And do you think we can beat them? No, I prefer to play Southampton honestly because we. Um, but no, I don't like how Leicester play. They're fast in behind counter attack team. Um, and they're, they're, they're decent. They're not terrible, right? So I was hoping we'd get Southampton to be an easier win. Um, although we should win. We're a better team. We're a better club. And we're much stronger. And they, they aren't used to being in finals. So we should win. And if we don't win, this will be horrendous. Just like last season was. Yeah. And Corey, what do you think? Yeah, I'm honestly a little nervous about the Leicester game. I think um, I think they they present a threat that um i mean obviously i'm not concerned about vardy i think his uh his better days are are starting to show that they're behind him i think he's starting to show his age a little bit but i'm i'm terrified no, of don't, say this, don't say this don't say this someone else said this last year on the pod about alba yang and then he's dominated the yeah. game and we lost please Corey, you've just lost us that final was. now <laughs> i'll I who that was knock it on i'm knocking on wood but um <laughs> I think I think I'm more scared of Inacho because I think he's been on he's been on fire. I mean he's scored today. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where this uh, turn of the tide has come for him because he's always been like a mid tier striker or even some 
times bottom tier. And all of a sudden, he scored like what? Like I think there was like a I, I forgot the stat yesterday, but he scored like eight goals recently. And it's terrifying. I don't know where it came from, but I'm also not as nervous because defensively we've been freaking uh, we've been so strong and we haven't can see. I mean, we freaking look what we did to City. We put the we put the like the pressure right on them, made them play to how we wanted them to play. And we made them struggle. The same way we go out for the final, we we push, we press, we we play our game and make Leicester City come to us. We we beat them. We beat them tenfold. Yeah, yeah I mean, I so. yeah. What what what's interesting actually? I was looking at the fixtures just to see when, because um, we've got Leicester in the league um, just before the end, and we were supposed to play at Leicester on the same day that we were supposed to play. We we're going to play the FA Cup final. So I don't know where they're going to fit the fixture in, which if I looked, I think it could be played the midweek after that, which would be interesting that we'll play Leicester twice in a row, um, starting with the FA Cup final. Um, and we will have a bit of a tough run of games, let's just say up to that point. We'd have, um, starting the 5th of May, we'd have the second leg of uh, Chelsea-Real Madrid. Then we'd play Man City. Then we'd play Arsenal. Then we'd play the FA Cup final. And then we'd play Leicester again. Seems like February all over again. Let's hope we can obviously get the uh, same results we did February. But Corey, do you think we'll win the FA Cup? Yes or no? Yeah, I think um, I think how we've been playing. And um, I was thinking to myself yesterday, if we keep playing the way we're playing with these players' mentality of let's go out there, give it our all, 90 minutes or more, and not showing like what we've seen in previous games where if we concede our heads go down, we're ultimately defeated. We need, we need that spark. And I, we need those guys to step up and prove to not only themselves, but to the club and to the fan base that we're here to win this cup and we need to win this cup because you can't start losing now because we got bigger fixtures to come and we still want to get in the top four. And we also still want to win the champions league. So it's time to, Put our asses in gear and get shit done. Yeah, Mav, yes or no, do you think we'll win the FA Cup? Yes, I think we'll definitely win. Lovely. I mean, let, let, let's hope that that will uh, play its part and um, we can win. What what I noticed is uh, obviously Arsenal won it last year and they beat Manchester City in the semi-final. So hopefully history can repeat itself and we become victorious. We need to win. We've got to get this done. Yes, we we need to get we need to get it done. I think hopefully we will now because we've done the hard work for it. Um, but I, I'm more looking at the next competition that we're going to talk about: the UEFA Champions League. We're in the semi-finals. No one expected us to get to this far, and we're playing Real Madrid, which is actually the first time that we'll play Real Madrid in this format of the Champions League. Um, are you excited, Marv, to play? Real Madrid, the return of Eden Hazard, the return of Thibaut Courtois. Uh, how are you feeling for the game? Extremely excited because now we get to play against the best uh, club or the biggest club, right? And uh, it'll be even better when we get the victory. So, yeah, very excited. And Corey, are you excited to play Real Madrid? Yeah, I'm excited to do one over on Real Madrid and show that Thibaut and Eden made the wrong mistake. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um I don't know whether you guys saw Thibaut Courtois' comments. He said um, that he's really upset that he 
wasn't able to come to Stamford Bridge with uh, fans in the stadium. He said it would. Uh, he would have loved to returned. Um, do you think? Do you do you think that's true? Do you think uh, the fans would have welcomed him in open arms back to the club? <laughs> him, uh, the round of the walk around stadium. Uh, nah, or do you, you think he would have got a bit hard? Hard. Nah, he would have been booed out of the stadium. I, I bet you he would probably would have cried by the time he got home. Yeah, uh, I would have. I would have booed him. So I'm not sure. Um, it's hard to know because a lot of players get clapped when they return, don't they? It does happen. Um, but yeah, no, the way he left was extremely disrespectful. I, I didn't like him, and he would definitely get booed if I was in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd argue it was. Um... With your comment, Marva, I'd argue a lot of players didn't do what Thibaut Courtois did. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I just thought it was a typical Belgian footballer speaking more stuff in the media. I thought it was laughable to say that. I, I bet he wouldn't be saying that if we were actually playing with a stadium full of fans. Uh, I bet he'd keep that quiet. But the fact that there is no fans there, that he'll say it just to try and make some a piece or whatever he's trying to do. See, I quite um, like Madrid, but I want that um, we win against them just so they, they both cry, realising the mistakes they've made. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think I've always, out of the two, Real Madrid and Barcelona, I know I've always preferred Real Madrid. I've always been Ronaldo over Messi. I've always thought Real Madrid are a much more classier club. Yeah, me too. Um, they've got more of a... Uh, Barcelona have got history, but I think Real Madrid are the one... The European Cup five times. Was it no ten times, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think even I think twelve. I don't. It might, oh it's God, it's, it's so it's so it's so hard to keep up. Um, yeah. They're that good. Um, so it, it'd be nice to beat them. And actually, we've had over the years, we've actually had good results in the Super Cups uh, against them in the past. So hopefully, we'll be able to get a result. Marv, do you think we will get a result over two legs? Uh, it's really tough to tell. I actually felt that we wouldn't win this one, but um, I'd like to be positive and say that we we can. I get the feeling that it won't be about about skill. I get the feeling that there will be something else that that decides this tie, and that doesn't make me feel too good. Yeah, what do you think, Corey? Do you think do you think we can win this match? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of right there with Marv. I'm. I'm a little skeptical on like what's going to happen. I mean, it just feels weird. I mean, I have to see. I probably will be at work, so I probably won't be able to watch these games. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of nervous for it. I'm like nervous for every game, but this one, being able to play against such a big opponent, it, it's a little nerve wracking. But I think um, if we play our game right, like I've said before, we can cause some struggle. We can. We can bring like old school dirty Chelsea back, just kind of wriggle wins out of here with scrappy goals and scrappy play. I think that's what we do best. And I think if we can do that, we can, we can probably scratch a result out of these, these guys. Yeah. I I mean, for me, I'm excited to play them just for the occasion. The fact that it's Real Madrid, I'm really upset that again, we're not in the stadium to actually, go to this game because this has been the game that I desperately hunt to get a ticket for just to watch uh, Real Madrid in person um, but in terms of what I think about the game I think it's one of them things where Real Madrid have been very hot and cold this season and 
it really depends on what Real Madrid turn up on the day. Um, I think they looked very good against Liverpool, but then again, I think Liverpool did make them look better. Um, but there, we have got the fact that we're going to have to play against that midfield of Cas- Casemiro, Modric, Cruz, who are absolutely phenomenal, uh, an absolute phenomenal midfield, and still are probably one of the best midfields in the world. Um, and then you've got Benzema, Benzema, who's playing well at the moment. Um, even though their defence is a bit makeshift at the moment, they seem to be doing quite well. So I think it'll be tough. And I think if we don't win, I think we can at least give them a good game on to the, uh, going to the final. But for me, I'm going to try and keep my positivity as I have all season about the Champions League. And I think we can go to the final. And I think if we get to the final, I think there's only one result. And I think that's going to be a Chelsea win. Um, Corey, do you think there's a chance we can win the Champions League? Yeah, I think, um, especially with the Real games, I, there's a lot of little like narratives that like work in our favor. I think too to to, to touch on your point. I think the uh, the Benzema versus Olivier Giroud, uh, go kart versus the Ferrari. I think that's gonna kind of put a little bit more effort oh, in oh, the. Oh. The return of uh, the return of Eden Hazard and Thibaut Courtois against their former clubs is um, also a tiny little narrative, and then the narrative of Thomas Tuchel hoping to go back to another Champions League final. I think we have a lot on our side that kind of fuels this. I don't know. I want to say aggression, but like I don't know. I can't think of the word off the top of my head right now. But fuel this thing we have going. Um, this unprecedented run that I don't think anybody even would have thought that would be this far. And I think whoever we face, if we get past real, which I think is um, a likely outcome, I think it's, it's football. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anyone who can really pick or choose a winner here. I think it's the game's going to be KG regardless, but I think if we can get past these guys, I don't see us having a problem with anything. I think the only issue I have, if we have to face PSG, we're going to, we would have, something we're gonna have to figure something out because i am terrified to face mbappe that guy is a machine yeah i mean mbappe is a very good player i think should buy um, him yeah yeah <laughs> we, i mean we, we i mean to be fair it'd probably be cheaper than Haaland right now yeah yeah um, yeah i think that's fair but yeah marv i'm gonna pose the question to you can we win the champions league I think yes. I mean, why not? We've just beaten Manchester City and we made them look second best. They are, when we're talking about Champions League, there's four teams remaining, right? Three of them, they're all very high-level teams, right? So if we, we've beaten one of those high-level teams, why can we not beat others, right? I, I think it's definitely possible. We just need to play to our very best and it can be done. Yeah, and I mean, um, Corey, just to add to your um, list of narratives, we've also got Kovacic, who will return to Real Madrid for the first time uh, as well. Yes, forgot um, about that one. So there are many uh, different narratives on this game. that, And you also make the point, last time we won the Champions League, we beat a Spanish team in the, fo- in the semi-final. Yep, Barcelona. After beating a Portuguese team in the quarter-final. So, I, and we won the FA Cup. It's, it's really yeah. uncanny, isn't it? It, it it's very it it feels like the writers of the world who who make these scripts. It just this feels 
it feels very strange. Yeah, I'm just I'm Does just any... hoping it doesn't finish the way 2012 did, and it ends up with Tuchel being sacked by December. Yeah, I mean that's unfortunate. I mean I don't know if anybody really thought that Ravi Di Matteo was going to be the future coach of of Chelsea. I don't I don't I don't really remember. Probably still have him now, you know, just to keep the the project, the continuity, and the buzzwords going. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, hey, I mean, I think we, I think it's going to be interesting, you know, for me. I think um, if I'm able to actually watch the games and not be at work, I think uh, this is one of those things you make a bag of popcorn, you sit down, you, you know, you clench your butt cheeks a little tight, and then you hope to God that nothing happens. Oh, don't, I could have, I could have had a heart attack during that Bayern Munich game in 2012. Oh yeah, me too. I think everybody I did oh, from yeah. the first minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, um, yeah. That, that, now I'm actually at an age where I could possibly get a heart attack. So I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I'd be like during the final. I think, it, yeah, like Corey said, I'd be sitting with a bag of popcorn or something, yeah. trying to settle nerves that are just not going to be settled. Um, but I do think, even if we get PSG in the final, I think as good as Mbappe and Neymar are, I think, especially with that bottle job of a manager they've got. I think they're beatable because they're, yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not, they're not, I don't think they're so formidable as they say they are. They're not, they're not at the moment. They're not even top of the league in their own division, which is the French league. So that, that, that speaks a lot. Um, and it is interesting that the, the only league that's not really close right now is the Premier League in terms of going for the title. Obviously Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid are all very close. Uh, PSG are not top of the table. Lille are in there, um, and I think Monaco, Bayern Munich—they're a bit got a bit of a gap, but they're not completely sealed on to win it. Um, and yeah, Inter Milan—they're a bit more sealed, but again, they've still got Juventus and AC Milan and Napoli and the likes of them um, taking them every step of the way, which is interesting because over here it's Manchester City have already won it. Um, which is a bit disappointing. Um, moving on to one more topic before we finish up. Uh, and it's a topic that's uh, come about in the last few hours, uh, but it's something we've always seen in the past. Um, the European Super League, um, a new article came out saying that um, a lot of the clubs um, that have been rumoured to join it in the past have signed to form this league um, and it's come against the point of um, the they're protesting against the new um, format um, of the Champions League um, which comes in place at, in 2024 um, Chelsea are apparently one of the five um, Premier League clubs that have currently signed up to it um, but unlike Arsenal and Manchester United where their owners are actively becoming chairman and vice chairman of this Super League Chelsea are taking a little bit of a step back approach Marv, what do you think of this European Super League? Do you think it's good for football or do you think it is the nail in the coffin? Um, I think it's quite bad um, it's definitely not what I would like to be done, um, I think they should reject as well but it's a great opportunity for football to be saved by taking 
clubs like Man United and Liverpool out of our league and put them in there and leave them to obscure, arrogant cesspool of obscurity where they belong. So it's not the nail in the coffin as long as we get out of it. But I don't think it's a good idea. Um, do you think, um, obviously, the FA of um, FIFA, UEFA, they've all kind of come out and said that um, they will take... I think UEFA said they're already filing lawsuit to every club that's currently involved. Um, and they've said that they will ban them from domestic competitions. They'll ban them from the Champions And they're waiting on FIFA's approval, but they will apparently, if it does happen, they'll stop all players that are at them clubs playing for their national team in any competition. Um, Marv, do you think this? did you think this will get anywhere or do you think it's all bluffs and... Rumors. I don't think they could really do it because they, if they remove lots of teams, they, you know, you know, you take away all your best teams, the competition is automatically cheap. And I think you're for your wafer not in a very good position here. They'll have to kind of back off a bit um, with their changes, possibly. But again, why do we need to change everything? The format's okay right now, right? I mean, all we need to do is remove that terrible FIFA, that fair play thing that was never designed to help clubs in the first place, apart from the rich ones. And then uh, revisit how VAR is used and get better referees across the world. I think those should be the the main issues, not changing random formats of competitions. To be honest. Yeah, I mean the Champions League format. It's they're changing it a lot, um, just to accompany four extra teams, which obviously will mean more TV rights, more games being shown on TV. Um, and it is a bit silly, but I think the European Super League. I don't understand how it would take place. I don't understand. I, for me, I think it's an aspect of our club. I, 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 the club would be kind of dead to me at that point. You like We're so excited about playing Real Madrid. Um, we've been excited about playing Atletico Madrid, Porto, the opportunity to play PSG in the final. For me, if we're playing them teams week in, week out, the excitement of that is just gone for me and the authenticity of it. Um, and it is quite damaging, I think. Do you think it's quite damaging for the club, Marv? Uh, yes, I do think it will be because that takes the, the magic out of it, playing those teams every single week. Um, yeah, and no, it would definitely take a lot uh, away. I, I think it shouldn't happen because it definitely would be detrimental to the sport uh, for, for certain, yeah. And I think you're right in what you say, yeah, I agree. And Corey, just to bring you into it, um, what is your whole opinion on the Super League? Do you do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Um, does it damage the reputation of Chelsea Football Club if they're involved in it? Um, I mean, obviously, I think it poses interest to any you know any football fan to play all those teams, but I think it causes a lot of uh, controversy to all the clubs who are in. The, their respective leagues, I think, to hop out of your respective league um, and then create your own super league, I think it takes away from the fan aspect of um, like being excited to go watch your team face their rival, whereas you're going to be facing, you know, you'd be seeing the same teams over and over again. I think over time, if if it let's hypothetically say it did work, it, it it would just become boring after a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be like watching the the World Cup every every week. 
you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting as in fun that sounds, it, it, it's going to get repetitive and boring fast. And I think also to touch on, I think, Matt's point of saying about how the leagues were going to ban, you know, players from going on international duty. I think also the owners and the people who are setting this up, ripping away these players' hopes and dreams of playing for their national team is absolute dog shit. And I think if this continues on, not only if I was a player, I'd be furious at my club being able to think that it's okay to take me away from my national team. I know that a lot of people would say that uh, playing for your national team, it's a sense of pride. And I think if you're taking that away from play, like people, like young players like Mason Mount or Reese James and, and so on and so forth, ripping those away from those, that's absolute bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just, something's popped up on my phone. Apparently, it's got to the point where even Boris Johnson is condemning this. It's about as bad that Boris Johnson is condemning the European Super League. You can't, you can't get any more corrupt than that. If they think it's not, if they, if they think it's <laughs> a negative and corrupt enough, then it must be really bad. I mean, he's, he's currently said, Plans for a European Super League would be very damaging for football, and we support football authorities take in taking action. We would strike that this would strike the heart of the domestic game and would concern fans across the country. The clubs involved must answer to their fans and the wider footballing community before taking any further steps. So, again, like like the FA, everyone seems to be coming at uh, the European Super League at the moment. No one's uh, no no one's uh on this side at the moment um yeah to what i see because personally I, I just look at it and think it's going to get to the point where there's there's going to be no home there's going to be no home legs away legs i see it just being a will they'll, they'll go out and play neutral in dubai in america china russia south america africa and for me that again obviously i know you guys are na- international fans and for you guys, it would probably be nice if Chelsea play in New York or Chelsea play in Mexico. But I just feel like, again, that's another aspect that Stanford Bridge would just be nothing more than a relic. Um, I just feel that, for me, that I just lose all my respect and heart for the club that I would have. What do you guys yeah, think? I think? I think that's a great point. I think, um, I think, obviously, it's... You, you, it's nice, obviously, when your 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 club comes to you know your state or for Marv's case in the country of Mexico. Um, it's nice. I mean, but before you know pre-COVID, like they would, you know, Chelsea would come on an America tour, and I would, if they were anywhere's close, I would just go travel to see them anyways. You know, what I mean, I've, obviously, it sucks not being you know there at Stanford Bridge, you know, week in and week out. But I I get my fix, you know, I get my yearly fix. I can still watch them on TV. I pay all the things I can pay for to watch them on television. And then I also get to talk to you guys, so it makes things a little bit better. But I I, I think your your point is correct. I think you would turn home you would turn Stanford Bridge into some tourist attraction. Rather than it being like a like where fans go to support their club. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I just I just feel like it's all you're just ripping the soul out of the club. And for me, Definitely. honestly, if if this did transgress and we did have a European Super League and we were banned from Premier League, Champions League, 
even players banned from national competitions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I honestly think that would be. I, I wouldn't. I, I just completely turn away from football. Honestly, I, I think I'd pack it in. I, it feels. It kind of breaks my heart saying that now, but the club would just be dead to me. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be what I stand. It wouldn't be what why I supported this club. It wouldn't be what I st- I stand for as a club because all it would be for is that three hundred million pound per year that apparently they're going to get if they go into Super European Super League. Marv, what do you think? Yeah, I'm really. I think the same. I think it would definitely rip up. So I think it's a terrible idea because it's just segregating and uh, yeah, like you said, just playing against uh, like the best teams, which is nice. But at the same time, it just yeah, it's stupid. Why change what is already working? I still don't understand why it is being done. I do uh, not one more word, money. Yeah, but we can get that anyway. The cl- clubs make a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, three hundred million a lot. The club makes money anyway. Like, surely this could be just a good exercise to force UEFA to act within the better interest of the clubs uh, rather than kind of change everything. I'm hoping that's just it, but I think there's been too much. Personally, I think the way it's been rumbling on for, what, five, six years now, I think eventually there's going to be an appetite for it at some point. I think that certain clubs and certain owners are just waiting for the time to balance. And I think maybe this COVID time where we've not got fans in stadiums is the kind of catalyst to push it a bit more, um, where they could probably get away with it a bit more. There's no fans in the grounds to protest against it. Um it's only the online pressure that they have. Um, but yeah, I think it would be... For, uh, well, I, I'd, I'd feel sorry for the other fans that like you got the likes of Everton, West Ham, Leicester. What are they going to do? Because if, if we all went to the European Super League, there'd be, there'd be no... There wouldn't be any money in the Premier League because they'd all go and fund and go around and fund the Super League. So all these clubs that are already struggling enough with COVID... I mean, I could see half of them going out, going out of business. What do you think? It definitely could be. I mean, if you take it, as I said at the beginning, you take out all of the good teams, uh, you're going to be left with something very average like the 90s in the Premier League. So it's, I don't think it's good for anyone, really. Yeah, Corey, would you have lots of sympathy for the likes of West Ham, Everton, if this did happen? Yeah, I think, um, I think that would really hurt... Uh, I think it would hurt all all the countries that are involved. I think it would just bring the level of football down a tier, and like Marv said, it bring it back to the '90s, and it you know wasn't like a great time, you know. So I think it would just kind of suck for you know, and you and we would probably lose television rights too. We probably wouldn't be able to watch even if you were an Everton fan in the states or wherever you are, you wouldn't be able to watch those games, you know, because you're not going to get television rights. You know, probably the only thing you get would be, you know. English TV, you know what I mean? Watching it on BBC or ITV or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it just sucked for those clubs. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I could see it going as bad as what you'd see women's football at the moment, where they get, they're getting barely any money at the moment. I know it's obviously improving in that respect, but you, I, I reckon if, if it happened, clubs like West Ham would fold. Um, Everton, I think they'd be a bit, they'd be okay just because they've got big owners that have a lot of money, but I'd see, you'd see clubs like Burnley, Burnley's uh, a club that's already struggling at the moment. Anyway, I think they'd, they'd fold. You'd see most of the Champions League, Championship League One teams, the money's 
struggling to trickle down to them as it is. If you take away, if if all the big teams up top are not getting it, what what nothing's going to trickle down to them. And there, I think you'd see, you'd see, I reckon you'd see about twenty, thirty teams fold in the end of it, and then it gets to the point. It's it just it's just for me, it's just disgusting. I think for me, I if 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 Chelsea FC were listening to this, which obviously they aren't, but we can at least put out um, our opinions in terms of everyone here is obviously fully against a European Super League of any form. And it, yeah, it, it's destroying the soul of the club. And let's just hope that it never happens because I, I, I'd hate it to not be able to talk football with you guys, if I'm honest. Yeah, have to be the, the worldwide UEFA Worldwide Super League pod. <laughs> oh, God. That, uh, that, uh, that's a really good name, so. There's a mouthful right there. Might be hard to get the logo into the caption for Apple, but other than that, good. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we could all, we could always move to another sport. We got NFL, NBA. Yeah, cric- I don't know. We can do cricket. Like yeah, we'll, we'll, rugby. We'll, we'll rugby. pick something. Yeah. We'll worldwide. Something else. I don't know. Worldwide. worldwide. Here we go. <laughs> I want you to say about that hole in one this week from Ziek. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, guys, all the listeners uh, listening, if you're listening from Twitter, comment down below. We, what if if football if football ceases to exist, what what sport should we uh, move our pod to and talk about? Because obviously, I'm sure we'll be able to ramble something on about another sport. Oh, we could definitely do boxing. I feel like the three of us could definitely oh, do that. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon me, and Mar- me and Marv are gonna disagree on boxing. I reckon. Really? 100. Oh, percent. I think we all. I think all of us would. Why? Because I, I don't know. Like... I just. Marv, who's your favourite boxer? Uh, ever or now? Well, same, Pacquiao. Now. Like in terms oh, of... Nice. What about heavyweight? Uh, right now, Tyson Fury. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you, you Tyson Fury as well, Corey? I mean, I, I, I'm not one to sway. I, I do like Anthony Joshua, but I also... I like, um, I like the story behind Fury. I think, um, although he's a, you know, obviously like a classy human being, I think um, like his story of you know, gaining all that weight after, you know the drug and alcohol abuse and then coming back and then becoming a champion again. I think that that story is just, it's really heartwarming. You know what I mean? Incredible. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Corey, as long as you're not on the wild, the wagon, that's fine. No, <laughs> he's trash. Absolute trash. I knew he was trash from no, the get go. He's not, he's not trash, man. I mean, he's, he's not a great box boxer, but he is yeah. a knockout king. Like, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but Marv, who, who, this is the question. Who, who's he knocked out? Well, I mean, he knocked out Ortiz. He'd never lost. Yeah, but he almost knocked out Fury. I'd I'd then argue who is Ortiz fault to be a good boxer. Yeah, it's valid. It's valid. I still think though he would knock out Joshua. Uh, we'll 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 wait we'll wait to see if that if and when that happens. If Wilder grows, if Wilder can grow a pair of balls to face Joshua, because you know it's a bit limited. It's a bit limited as a problem. It's it's quite lucky he's quite tall, so his range is really good. Yeah, and he's lanky. He's like yeah. lanky for a heavyweight. It's weird. I I just love how a boxer can throw windmills at that high at, at that level of boxing. It's so incredible. unorthodox, though. It's did unorthodox, though. You, you know what I mean? Did you see the fight when he won the world title the first time? I I watched that. Uh, he fought what, against Devern. Yeah, Berman Devern, and he, he was oh, just my he God. fought really smart behind jab, and, and he outboxed him throughout the round. So he does have it. 
But when you're up against like someone like Fury, who is literally just like one of the best ever, he's actually quite underrated, I think. And he, ju- he just got embarrassed by him. Yeah, I think that's fair, though, when you face someone like who's got the ability to actually box rather than, you know, I think Wilder yeah. wants you to turn it into like a street fight, whereas if you face someone like Joshua or Fury, like someone who's got like a calmer head and who can push the jab and use their straights and, and use some defense, I think you he loses that fight every time. It's a shame. Joshua Wilder would have been a great fight. I agree. I think it, it, I think it, oh, it could still, as I said, if Wilder grows a pair of bollocks, he can. It it may still happen one day, but we'll, we'll have to see whether uh, Wilder will continue much more because he still hasn't obviously. That's not a fight. Deci- he hasn't decided. What, oh, he's too busy trying to sue Tyson Fury for some reason. Guys, you what? know there is a new boxing game coming out, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, I knew that. I'm yeah. so much hype about it. It's called ESBC. They've got quite a lot of good fighters on there. Did uh, anybody watch the fight last night? <laughs> what, and, Andra- Andrade I, I, versus Williams? No, did oh. anybody watch the Jake Paul versus oh, the Ben Ashton fight? That, that was so rigged. That is so rigged. It was so rigged. It looked like so he rigged. didn't even hit him. I had it on during my lesson. I had jo- it on. Jo- jo- it reminded me of when Askin went down. It reminded me of when you and David Louise got tackled at the corner flag. You just see yes. him smoking <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, because at at the end of the at the end, I was like waiting for like a post fight interview, and I see Askren and this like his family or whatever walking back, and he's fucking walking fine, and he's smirking. I'm like, what are you laughing about? I was like, this is a guy who just cashed in 500k, and yeah. he's he he just came in to get basically a punch in the most rigged fight I think I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I just can't I can't wait for someone just to knock Jake Paul smooth out. He's, he's never gonna fight anyone. No, he because he, I don't think his uh, I don't think his objective is to fight anybody who has actual talent, like who is a boxer. You know what I'm saying? Like he's gonna he do fight, like go on, Marv. Should fight McGregor. You know they were talking about that. That would be hilarious. He'll never do it though. I have I I know McGregor's having a problem even sending money to uh, Dustin Poirier after their their fight because oh, they were yeah. gonna they were gonna donate money to Dustin Poirier's charity and I think Dustin called them out. And asked him like where the money was because I guess McGregor hasn't funded it yet. So yeah. McGregor's being a little sus. Yeah, my God, uh, that William that fight with Williams and um, Andrade was so obvious it was going to win. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't I everyone keeps saying that Williams is such a good boxer. I don't I don't yeah, think he's average, a good boxer at all. Average, complete average. Easy. It, that that was. There's a lot of bum fights that have been made lately. That that was one of them. Is it was a nice build-up, but that, that Andretti is actually not that bad. But he's never fought anyone. He's like not had one, not fought one good fighter. Yeah, I mean, he he, he was nearly going to fight Billy Joe, but yeah, it'd have been a good fight that. Yeah, but anyway, guys, this this proves that we we could talk about boxing. So yeah, that could be one. We could no. talk about many sports on here. So yeah, even if Chelsea decide to disappoint us. We're never we're never going to disappoint you. We're always giving you quality sporting content. And that brings the end to a very interesting end to an episode. Um, <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever talk about boxing on this uh, chat uh, on this uh, podcast, but thank you to everyone that's managed to keep on listening. I hope you all haven't turned off already. Um, talking about that terrible boxer and Deontay Wilder, but um, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll be back. Hopefully, we have possibly a midweek podcast. Um, I'm going to. I am organising a little opposition preview for the West Ham match uh, with a close friend of mine. 
that has a West Ham podcast. Uh, it's just launched uh, last year. So hopefully we might see one of one of maybe Marv, if you can, or someone else on with him. And we'll be able to do a little preview and then we'll have our usual episode.